0: day everyone. You're listening to Left After Breakfast here on 3CR, your only radio left. I'm Susanna Duffy and I hope to drag in the rest of the team for this show because this is our last program for the year. So stay tuned for the usual suspects coming up.
1: You're
2: listening to 3CR 855 AM on digital and on the internet www.3cr.org.au
0: I'd like to talk about for a second, bear with me, it's about the disproportionate number of women in Parliament. Both major parties like to trumpet their elevation of women in Parliament, but the truth is they are disproportionately elected as candidates in marginal seats, while the safe seats are overwhelmingly gifted to blokes. Now, Labour has specifically promised to address this issue as part of their commitment to gender parity in Parliament, but the Liberal and National Parties both insist that their selection of candidates is purely down to, truly, this is what they've said, that their selection of candidates is purely down to merit. Now, when the Liberal and National Parties give the heart to win campaign to the ladies, It's not really that fewer women get into Parliament at all. It means that those who do succeed are far less likely to jockey for a ministerial position because they have to concentrate on keeping their popularity within their electorate with little political bandwidth left over to devote to a portfolio. It's insidious, yeah, and deeply sexist, yeah. But when it comes down to our current Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, Oh, hang on, wait, why should I call him Scott Morrison? I should just call him Scott. After all, he refers to women by their first name, women he hasn't even met, like Brittany Higgins. He always says, Brittany this and Brittany that. I'll just call him Scott. Okay. in the case of uh, our current Prime Minister, Scott, it is an acute electoral liability. Because, you see, for Scott to win at the next election, he needs to hold on to every single seat that he has, plus win a further two. Now, keep that in mind, listener. He has to win a further two seats, plus hold every one that he has. Remember that when you're voting. And now there are two vulnerable Liberal seats, and they are reliant on women who have both experienced Scott's much-discussed, women problem they've experienced it firsthand there is the most marginal liberal health seat in the country and that's bass in northern tasmania every election it's changed hands except one in 1993 and back in 2019 it was very narrowly won by bridget archer by less than half a percent if her name sounds familiar to you listener It's because she was the MP who crossed the floor recently to vote with Labour and the crossbench when the government attempted to stop the debate about a federal ICAC bill. She was hauled into the PM's office to explain herself, of course, and reports differ on on how that worked out. According to Archer, it was an an unwelcome meeting that left her in tears, while Scott's version was that it was warm, friendly and supportive. It seems to me that Scott's empathy hasn't improved, despite all that expensive empathy consultation. I can't see Bridget Archer being a devoted foot soldier, fighting for the return of Scott's government. And then there's the New South Wales seat of Reid, another marginal seat, this one in metropolitan Sydney, with a demographically diverse mix of working-class and Waterview suburbs. And that's held by first-term Liberal MP Fiona Martin on a 3% margin. Well, current polling has it under threat. Labour isn't the only challenge that Martin has to face. A woman called Natalie Bain announced she'll be running as an independent in that seat. She was a lifelong Liberal Party member with a lot of experience, but she's now left the Liberals, and talks about her anger over the party's handling of complaints she made about misconduct by senior male figures. She says she experienced inappropriate behaviour from senior Liberal figures, and that when she complained to the party, there was no response, apart from they suggested an internal investigation, but they didn't bother to ask her for any input. Well, that's a problem for Scott because while Beatty may not defeat Martin for the seat, she could easily pull a few percent and split the Liberal vote enough to get Labour over the line. And of course, these issues fade into insignificance before such crises as the unresolved allegations of historical rape against Christian Porter, the abysmal handling of the currently before the court's allegations of Brittany Higgins' assault, and that wonderful moment when Scott said that women protesting his inaction over these many scandals, that women were lucky that they weren't met with bullets. The problems Scott faces in Bass and in Reed are only the latest in a long line of issues. Well, let's hope this time it does more than trigger criticism of his treatment of women. Let's hope it literally costs him government.
3: You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, Melbourne's voice of dissent. 3CR Community Radio, 855 on the AM dial, streaming live at 3cr.org.au or on 3CR Digital in
2: Melbourne.
0: It's easy to see, dear listener, why we need a federal corruption watchdog, isn't it? Especially one with retrospective powers. We can see why the coalition doesn't want it. The extensive analysis of federal grants that Nine Media undertook found that Liberal electorates received three times more taxpayer funding than Labour electorates. Were you surprised? I wasn't really surprised, though I was shocked at the amount. I thought it was just twice as much more funding, not three times as much. But I was pretty surprised. In fact, I was quite... Shocked by the shamelessness of the government's response, when Scott was asked in a press conference, asked to explain how Peter Dutton's seat of Dixon received $43 million, while the seat next door, the Labour seat of Lily, received 930000 Scott laughed. (laughs) Well, he said, Dixon must have a very good local member. It just shows you. He knew what his government had done. Feels no qualms about doing it again. It seems that nothing can stop this government from misusing taxpayer funds. Nothing seems to stop Scott from misusing our money. Shame doesn't stop him. Scathing audit office reports haven't stopped him. Senate inquiries haven't stopped him. And major front page stories exposing him. They haven't stopped him either. There's nothing that can stop this man and his government misusing our taxpayer funds, except one thing, and that is removing him from office. This has to be done. We have to do it. He has to go. They all have to go.
4: Uh, good morning. You're listening to 3CR, the only radio left. You are indeed listening to 3CR
0: You're listening to Left After Breakfast I'm Susanna Duffy And I've been talking a lot this morning Eight minutes flat about Scott It's time we stopped and I gave myself and you A little music break beautiful song, music by Mikis Theodorakis and sung by Agnes Bolza, Asprimera Kiamas There will be better days, even for us, and there will be better days, listener, and they start at the polling booth. And it's time to hear a holiday message from the BL from the Bush.
5: Yeah, good uh, comrade, hey listener. It's the uh, B.L. from the bush calling in. I hope yous are all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and uh, jabbed up and vaxed up and um, booked in for your for your booster. Keep yourselves and your family and in the community around you all safe and uh, you're all doing it well. It's been a uh, interesting year, uh, listener. We've had um, plenty to. Um, to inform you about, and uh, hopefully we've uh, been able to um, expose some of the shenanigans that that's going on up there at the House of Debauchery. We've all had a fair fair comment on it. As I keep saying, it's uh, with that mob up there. It's do as I say, not do as I do. That's pretty obvious the why they carry on up there, telling everyone else what to do, and just completely ignoring that advice for themselves but anyway I mean good old team there left after breakfast you've got you know, the, the, um, Susanna the um, the matriarch you've got Bucko you've got Glenn you've got the bagman, all trying their best to inform you about what the uh, the Murdoch media and uh, some of the other tame cat media uh, media doesn't about really what, what is behind what's going on up there and just give you a bit of an indication of uh, where we're heading with this mob So it's been a privilege, listener, to to try and uh, help help us all get rid of this mob because um, they are, as I've said before, they are a, a vindictive, callous, cruel, heartless, see a struggling head, kick it institution and call themselves a government. But that's what they do and they do it very well. We've had eight, eight, nine years of this mob uh, listener and we've got to do our best to get rid of them as, as we try. So I just might ask you again over the, the Christmas break and while you're having your holidays and whatever and getting around chatting to people and and Barbies and whatever and however you do it, just keep the pressure up and just let people know what, what this mob are up to and what they've been up to. And if re-elected, what they're going to do, going to do to the most vulnerable in our society, uh, and 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 they've had plenty of practice to say they've had eight years to, to to hone it up. Because if they get another four years, I'm telling you, if you ain't got a real good uh, bank balance, they're gonna they're gonna hurt you. So uh, I don't really want to be leaving a message at this time of the year on that note. But it is serious. Otherwise, I wouldn't mention it. So anyway, listen, as I said before, it's been a privilege. I hope uh, I've contributed something to the Left After Breakfast and Radio 3CR, Community Radio, which is a great institution in Melbourne. I mean, it's been going for 25, 28 years or something. And uh, it'll keep going. And it gives it voice to a lot of people that normally wouldn't have it. So, yeah, thanks again, listener, the comrade. That's probably me for the... For the day or for the year or half year or whatever long I've ever been on it. But I um, just want to say thanks again. Everyone look after themselves, you and yours, and um, hopefully we'll catch up in the new year. So I'll uh, go out in the same old way, listener, um, is dare to struggle, dare to win. If you don't fight, you lose. Uh, it's Good Morning from uh, Left After Breakfast, the only show left.
0: Thank you, BL from the bush. I'm going to play another little bit of music listener, one of my favorites.
6: Oh the summer time has come. The trees. Are sweetly blooming and wild mountain time, all the flowers are perfuming. Will you go? I see, go and will I? for oh. Plan C thou'll bring back all my fame to the eye
0: Love that song. I used to sing it when I was a small girl. I didn't know what it meant then, of course. But that was Dick Gargan with the McGarrickle Sisters and Emmy Lou Harris. But it's time to hear from Bucko.
1: So the years crawled to a dingy close. Remember a few short years ago when our democracy was seen as having a uniquely Australian flavour? We believed in the fair go, we frowned on favouritism. We all had a sort of grudging respect for our leaders, but we certainly held them to account. We definitely had no time for politicians who were in it for the money or for the post-political career. We thought they were on Australia's side. Well, cast aside any sense of false pride, because as the fish rots from the head, so has our form of democracy. We now have a leader who is regularly described as a noted liar. A Deputy Prime Minister is a man that even his own party does not respect. He represents nothing that I can identify beyond advancing his pay packet. He's apparently afraid of his own backbenchers, and the Nationals as a group are reviled everywhere except inside their own party room. The country standing on the abyss as climate change moves into top gear. Our Minister for Reducing Emissions went to Glasgow with the intention of spruking for the fossil fuel industry. And the Prime Minister, representing Australia on the world stage, described our contribution to reducing emissions as being the Australian way. And to anyone with half a brain, that meant using the old the dog ate my homework excuse. And they then came home and released a brochure, which only satisfied their own target, at at 85%. The other 15% was wishing. Most Australians do not read much because almost half of them cannot read. That's because successive governments have so robbed the public education system that only those who attend private, heavily subsidised schools can read. Of course, what they read is heavily monocultural, So if you wonder why all the private school-educated boys and girls these days behave like entitled twits, that's because they are. Our ex-education minister Alan Tudge had a bee in his bonnet about children questioning the Anzac Day myth. Imagine putting a person in charge of education in this country who believes that history should be taught with an optimistic slant. Consider the Turkish government. They imprison anyone who mentions the Armenian genocide or Japan which denies the use of Korean women as sex slaves during the Second World War. So many of those in private schools, many of those private schools are Christian schools because our political class is unrepresentative of the population at large and many of them are fundamentalist which has nothing to do with the values of our country. We've never liked bible bashes or wowsers. We're uncomfortable with people who wear their religiosity like a magic cloak, and I am personally creeped out at the prospect of Scott Morrison laying his hands on me or any one of my fellow citizens. I was born once and baptised once, and that's enough for me. How did we come to a position where the only item on the national agenda is a religious freedom bill? The only people in Australia with an agenda against the right to practise your personal religion is the coalition. You've got Peter Dutton and his African gangs. Peter Dutton and his Lebanese Australians who carry a a criminal gene. The ex-education minister who made a call for Australia to mount a muscular defence of Western liberal values. And their talking points are all about female genital cutting, child marriage and domestic violence. He warned that Australia was veering towards a separatist multicultural model. So with those three examples, you've got anti-Islamic politicians who really wouldn't have a clue about Christianity. Mr. Tudge is a family values politician. He's now the ex-minister because his ex-mistress has accused him of emotional and physical abuse, which brings us to the thorny question of women. Morrison and his ministry have constantly sidelined women, and even his female ministers are not safe from Scott. He interrupts them, he counsels them, he s- supposedly supports them, he volunteers them, the way he did with Gladys for Waring- Waringa, and he consults them. Remember his response to Brittany Higgins' alleged rape? He consults his wife, who told him to behave like a father. We would prefer he acted like a competent, fully formed human being who has been elected leader of a vibrant nation of men and women. Of course, he's also aided and abetted by Peter Dutton, vilified China, the Chinese political system and Chinese culture. Seemingly unaware of China's history or its size and power, he's rattling his little tiny sabre and hitching our wagon to the USA. And today we discovered that over the last four years, the coalition government has spent three times as much on liberal electorates when compared to Labour-held seats. This proves that we should move House if we want some of our taxes to come back to us, or maybe just vote them out. Brings us to accountability. Uh, Morrison has not presented a bill to Parliament. He blames Labour because he cannot get his own pathetic version of an integrity commission past his own backbenchers. Ask yourself why he won't legislate a National Integrity Commission Ask yourself why he vilifies the New South Wales ICAC every second day. You know the old saying, if you've done nothing wrong, you've got nothing to fear. The verdict is, for me, the current coalition government is the single worst government in living memory, possibly in our history of representative government. From the top to the bottom, they shred convention, they outsource our governing functions to multinational corporations. They have starved our elderly in aged care. They keep the unemployed poverty-stricken. They're fanning the flames of conflict with China and they've destroyed our social fabric. And by the way, they run kangaroo courts. There's not a lot to like about them, but on that hopeful note, we are looking forward to an election and it could be the election that makes the difference. So as the Christmas break comes up, I wish everyone a... uh, a great Christmas, a happy new year in twenty twenty two, and may we see the end of the coalition government forever. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next year.
6: 3CR.
0: And now I track down that oh so elusive bagman.
4: Well good morning bagman. Good morning, sir, and good morning to all of your listeners. And this, of course, is a very special morning. I believe it's the last program for the year. Yes, the last for us of 2021. So uh, Let's see if we continue next year in the same vein that we've continued for the last 34, well, it'll be 35 years um, yes. in the new year, and... We must make the uh, usual announcement, Susan, that because of COVID, we have to record this program on a Wednesday afternoon to be played on Friday morning. Because of COVID, we can't come into the studio. So if, unfortunately, the Pope gets assassinated next uh, Thursday or early Friday morning, We really can't bring you the latest news. Or, God forbid, if the Prime Minister was to to be assassinated uh, in between now and Friday morning, we wouldn't be able to bring you the latest news and not that we're advocating that someone should
0: do it. Oh, no, leave the Pope alone.
4: (laughs) I wasn't talking about the Pope, I was talking about the Prime Minister. Oh, I thought (laughs) you said Pope. (laughs) Pope. Well, we said the Pope and then we said the Prime Minister. If either of them ha- happen to be assassinated between now and Friday morning, we can't bring you the, the up-to-date news. Something just occurred to me before about uh, Scott. I'm
0: not, I'm not going to call him by any other name. He refers to women he has never met mm. uh, by their first name.
4: Does he? Oh, well, look how he talks about Brittany Higgins. Well, he calls her Brittany. You know, um, when you mention Brittany Higgins, you really do take us back to the Australian Parliament being the sleaze capital of possibly the world. Now, it's the Rape and Sexual Abuse Palace for the Abuse of Women. Uh, A report has recently been brought down about the shocking treatment that's afforded to parliamentarians and their staff when they're in Cowards Castle. And I, well, thinking
0: of the Pope, mm. made me think of something I found the other day. I knew I'd heard Scott say it, so What's I'm going to that? I'm going to repeat it. And he said, "Australia is not a secular country." Oh, it's well, wrong, listen, right? Scott, it is. <laughs> Australia is a secular country. He, he was playing with words and trying to be clever. He's not that clever. He's, no,
4: he's not. But he's,
0: he's got God on his side too. He's, he's clever enough to know there are some things he doesn't know. That's why he's got his parliamentary office full of bloody media experts. And what right. he said was Australia is not a secular country. Ah. It's a free country where you have the freedom to choose any belief you choose. Ah, well,
4: you learn something
0: every day, Susan. Secularism is just one of them. That's not true. Secularism is
5: not a belief.
4: (laughs) Wow. yeah. At least, Susan, I live in the most multicultural suburb in the whole of Australia that's recently just decided to change its name because I live in Coburg and Coburg is part of Moreland, City Council. Now Moorland City Council has recently decided to change its name from Moorland to something else, and they will they will confer with the Aboriginal community uh, living in the city of Moorland to change its name because it was named after a, a slave trader back in oh well back in the old days.
0: My God. An absolutely
4: racist name. Yes, that's right. Well, it now will hopefully have a name more more appropriate to its uh, surroundings. Uh, Jeff well, Kennett's anyway. not happy. Oh no! Well, he's the one that uh, forced the name onto the city of Morland uh, without consulting the local indigenous people. So now that's about to change. Now we really don't care whether Jeff Kenneth is happy or not.
0: That's true. He's just an old bloody has been. Yeah, stay in your bloody cave, Kenneth. Don't come out and bother us. And this is our last show of the year.
4: I shouldn't mention his name at no, all. No, you should no you shouldn't, Susan. But, but- uh Talking about uh, staying in your cave. Now, the horrible truth is that every anti-vaxxer marching on the streets in Melbourne must accept the blame for the thousands of people infected with the COVID virus and for those in the intensive care unit dying in more and more numbers each day. All I can say is your ignorance is breathtaking and the pun was intended. Oh, dear. Well, you know, we read the shocking story, Susan. The shocking story. In extreme cases, COVID-19 positive mothers, uh, pregnant mothers, have caesareans while unconscious and grasping for air. Now, don't turn off. Uh, because this is the truth, their, their lips turning blue. This can occur to mothers who are ventilated in intensive care where some of Victoria's sickest pregnant women are treated. And none of those women, none as far as I know, that have been admitted to the intensive care unit have been fully vaccinated, according to the doctors at the Royal women's hospital now how someone could possibly go out to consciously infect other people and put them through that uh, that misery I really really don't know
6: perhaps
0: they could all make a New year's resolution and say this year I'm going to make a
4: resolution not to infect other people well me personally Susan uh, every time I'm going out of the house, I'm going to wear a mask and I'm going to follow all the rules so that I can't be infected by some ignorant bastard who doesn't care about infecting others. Sad, isn't it? Probably racist bastards too. uh, Hey, it's ironic, Susan, isn't it? Well, we have hundreds of people marching in the streets of Melbourne so-called freedom fighters, I call them cut-lunch commandos and anti-vaxxers infecting other people, especially on the steps of Parliament during their latest protest, guess what's coming to the city of Melbourne? Well, don't leave me hanging like this, Bagman. What is coming to the city of Melbourne the biggest vaccine-producing factory in the world. Modena has agreed with the Victorian government that they're going to set up a uh, vaccination uh, facility here in Melbourne. Now, that's ironic. Why is it ironic? Well, you have people marching in the streets saying that although 608 people have died from I, I say it cautiously. The flu, because they don't agree that there is such a thing as uh, COVID nineteen. Six hundred and eight people have died recently, and we're going to have our own world beating uh, vaccination centre here. That's the greatest thing, I think. That uh, I suppose. Oh, can we can we predict that they will set up picket lines? Outside of the oh factory where it's a, where it's about to be built, don't that... it's not beyond the realms of possibility, Susan. I'll... The only the only thing I would wish, Susan, if they are to set up picket lines, that they be treated exactly the same and as fairly as workers, builders, labourers, construction workers, when they set up a picket line anywhere where they are fined millions and millions and millions of dollars for taking any action. These people wouldn't know what a picket line was
0: about. In fact, there might be a slight resemblance to that picket line 25 years ago held up in North Carlton, North Fitzroy, when the old railway land which ran trains down to Kew, from East Brunswick to Kew, the old railway land was handed over to the Ministry for Housing to build some low-income pensioner houses on. And these people who lived up near it, up near the old railway land, set up their own biggest line to say, we don't want public
4: housing here. They did, but uh, the trade union got behind it, the... Uh Builders Labourers Federation and uh, other concerned unionists got behind it and uh, said to those people that say, we um, not in our backyard, and made sure that those public houses were built. Yes, I recall it very well. And the BWIU was very supportive also. Well, they were, and the BWIU have gone the way that the BWIU should have gone and they've gone into, they've merged with the CFMEU uh, now, and the CFMEU is one of those unions that fight for your rights and they fight for your welfare. Yeah. Uh, Susan, you know, there is some tragedies in this, this COVID virus. A prominent Aboriginal elder has died in the COVID ward of a Sydney hospital, a fortnight after speaking at a large public rally against mandatory vaccinations. Now, Uncle Max Harrison. Now, he was he was speaking on behalf of the IMO party, uh, and he was probably used by those people because what I've heard about Uncle Max is what he was a a very cultural man. Uh, he was well-spoken. Uh, he, was, uh, he was a very intelligent man, but he was sucked in and used um, by this party. It's called the Medical Options Party. And regardless of what Uncle Max may have said to the to the throngs of people, uh, he didn't deserve to die and he didn't deserve to be used by an organisation such as the Medical Options Party. Medical Options Party? Yeah, Medical Options Party. What does that mean? Oh, I don't know. It's, uh, it, it means you've got options about what medicine you take. Well, don't we all have that? <laughs> I would imagine so, yes. Oh, well. you are out there, Susan.
0: And some poor old elder, sadly.
4: Yes. Yep, he's died because of it. That is really yep. sad. That is sad because he was obviously uh, conned into something. Well, there'd be no other reason, would there?
0: Nope. Oh, nope. man. Nope. Yep. Oh, well, oh, so well. It, it doesn't matter who you are. Or how good you are, you can still be bullshitted into things.
4: That's right. You can still die. Yeah, yep. well.
0: Uh, it reminds oh, me, mentioning yeah. an elder, and you were talking earlier about the racist name of, that the city of Moreland, Moreland was yeah. was called without realising. Yep. Was, um, I see that a, a creek... The name of a creek in Queensland, North Queensland, has finally been changed. It took, you know, years. It used to be called Black Gin Creek. Oh, really? Oh,
4: golly. Oh, golly. Now it's
0: called
4: called Indigenous Women's Creek. Right, that's good. And there'll be a lot of street names and city names that are going to have to be changed also. There's a lot of names that I don't know how racist they are, but they
0: always bring up, you know, a chilling sort of feeling to me. Yeah. But back in the days when I'd drive up every couple of weeks up to Castle, Maine, or that that way, and I'd cross over, there was Dead Man's Creek, there was (laughs) Skeleton Creek.
4: Billy Billy Creek. Oh, Billy, wow. Billy Billy.
0: Billy, Billy, <laughs> or Jackie, 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 Jackie. Well, <laughs> they can right. go. They can that's go right. now. That's right. Uh, it's a pity we can't rename things after um, elders. Instead of Billy, Billy, we could have Jack Charles Creek. That's right.
4: Yes, that's Instead right. Of Jackie,
0: Jackie, we could have
4: John Harding Creek. Yes, exactly right. Now, are we back on the air? We are, and we are recording. Oh, we're recording. I'm oh, sorry. Just, for the, just for the for the listeners, uh, we've gone off air for the time being. And during to the wonders of modern technology, Susan's going to be working late into the night uh, to her old job of editing uh, this uh, recording. And she will earn her name uh, that she used to be called by John Cummins, and that was Snipper.
0: Yeah, that was me, Snipper. I used to walk <laughs> up I used to walk up Smith Street and go past a pub where a lot of broken down old workers used to hang out sometimes. It was yeah. next it was next door to the TAB. I'm not saying that there's a connection, it just happened to be next door to the TAB. And, and 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 as I'd walk past, I'd go, i got a G'day Snipper. How's it oh ah, yes, They all
4: knew you. I had almost forgotten that name. That's right, uh, well, but I'll keep reminding you of <laughs> it in the years to come. Now, well, look before the, you last transition-
0: time, you know, the last time I heard
4: something called
0: out to me from some builders labouring bugger <laughs> was I was walking along Queen's Parade mm-hmm. some some years back, and all of a sudden from the bowels of the earth came up this great stentorian shout, and it said dare to struggle, and I thought, what the hell's that? And I said, I'm looking, there's no one around, but dare to struggle, and I realised it was coming up from a hole in the ground, <laughs> a hole in the ground. And for a moment, you know, I got all religious. Well, supernaturalist, I should say. And mm-hmm. I, thought, I thought, is that someone down there calling to me? So I called back, <laughs> called a third time dare to struggle, and I call back,
4: dare to win, and up from the hole pop, Bob Mancor. Oh, Bob Mankor. I was going to suggest it was going to be the BL from the bush, but yeah. uh, Bob, Bob Mancor, great trade unionist, um, joined the struggles over many, many years. A great man and sadly, sadly missed. Well, i tell you what, Susan, I'll tell you who won't be sadly missed. Um, and they won't be joining the struggle, and that's people from the ALP, the Australian Labour Party, who tried to steal the party away from the working class. Now, we, we've got to admit uh, the, the Australian Labour Party is not what it's all, all it's cracked up to be, but there are certain people who are not not going to be given a guernsey anymore, and that's Adam Somurak, um, who became the hero of the uh, anti-vaccination class, Marlene Cruz, Robin Scott, uh, Caesar Mellon, all (laughs) those people, all those people that tried to steal the party away from the working people and have also tried to steal the uh, trade union movement away from them also. So I have no problem with saying goodbye to Adam Goodbye, uh, M- Marlene. Goodbye, Robin Scott, and goodbye, Caesar Mellon. Particularly Caesar. Though I wouldn't say goodbye. I'd say hit the road. Hit the road. Well, if if people want to see about the biggest sleaziest trick that's ever been pulled on the working class, they can go to my website, which is dennisevans.com, dot com, and read about Caesar Mellum. And the trick he played to get uh, himself and also a lot of other right-wing people elected to the Victorian Parliament. Now, we're not anti-Labour. We are just disappointed with the way the Labour Party is going at the moment. Very disappointed. Very disappointed. Very disappointed. And while we're disappointed in the Labour Party, we're also disappointed in the Liberal Party because there's no (laughs) one... What else would we be? (laughs) Uh, That's right. But there is no one calling for the release of Julian Assange. They're letting this bloke swing in the wind simply because he revealed to the world the atrocities that the Americans were carrying out uh, in the Middle East. Um, And they're letting him swing in the wind the wind. They ought to be ashamed of themselves, and I'm even looking to the point where I wouldn't vote for anybody that didn't want to bring Julian Assange back to Australia, not to face trial. He shouldn't have to face trial. Uh, he's innocent of what he's being accused of.
0: I don't know what he's been accused of, but what he did was. Um... Tell us what was going on. But however, bad man, no one in the Liberal Party may have spoken,
4: but someone in the National Party did. Oh, I tell you what. Apparently, Barney Joyce, Barnaby Joyce, has been locked up in, uh, uh, not solitary confinement, but in quarantine without without a bottle of beer for the last 10 days. And he's now come out and said, Julian Assange should be released. Now I love, I love the, so, the sober Barnaby Joyce. Do you think it's because he's sober? <laughs> well, what else could what else could make him uh, come out? You know, I I applaud him uh, it... for saying release Julian Assange. I really do applaud him. But at last, the secret to unlocking Barnaby Joyce's deepest secrets. You've got to lock him in a hotel room for 10 days and, believe it or not, he starts to make sense. Let him dry out, you reckon? (laughs) Well, if he's like every other poor bastard in quarantine, he wouldn't be getting a, a, a glass of lunatic soup every night. It's just, well, look, we could be
0: quite wrong. You could be very wrong just because he's always behaved a certain way and he's always been on the pissed. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he gets a detox. And and, Susan. An an involuntary detox. And he says something that's sensible.
4: I'm not sure if that, you know. That's right. Susan, if that man doesn't have a problem with the drink. I'll be as happy as a man with two bums. All now, right, all right. Just carry on, please. Just keep talking. <laughs> now, before I go, Susan, we have to send uh, good wishes to those people who have been parked out of uh, outside of hotels where refugees have been locked up for up to eight years. People like Jenny Lay and others who have been there for months and months and months outside protesting against the locking up of uh, refugees that have come to this country because it's their right to. But apparently two more have been freed from the Park Hotel recently, and apparently there are eight eight refugees that were abandoned by the Australian Parliament uh, that have recently been granted Asylum in Canada. So you can only wish that things will go good for them. It couldn't go as bad as it has in the past. Well, that's a good Christmas story. Yeah, a good Christmas story. And uh, on that uh, on that note, Susan, why not wish people a Merry Christmas? Well, we I'm should. I'm not against it. Yeah, uh, Merry Christmas to everybody that's listening. And I uh, hope you'll tune in. Uh, next year for our 35th year of broadcasting on 3CR, the only radio left.
0: We won't be back till February.
4: Oh, February. Oh, well, a good break. So let's go out in the same old way. Yeah, but why not? Dare to struggle. Dare to win. If you don't fight, you lose. Good morning from
0: left after breakfast. And, back by popular demand, some working-class poetry from comrade Natasha.
3: Capital assumes living labour into itself, as though love possessed its body. Karl Marx, Grandis. I'm joining the campaign for shorter working hours, since love has taken possession of my heart. I want the extra time to smell the flowers and the leisure to appreciate fine art. Love's labour lives inside the body corporate, dying to put its hands to work for change in the hours bought for more or less the rate applied to satisfy industrial exchange. In 79, the Union Carbide men stood strong, sitting in for the 35-hour week, The women stocked the strike cupboard for the long haul when hopes of victory seemed bleak. The eight-hour day, a long-held labour myth now staring at the hands of time long past ironic on a face that smiles with an expression that experience knows won't last. To seize the moment when the chains are loose is a decisive act that sets the body free from the bonds of capital, to choose an act of love that binds not only you and me, but all those other bodies kneeling at the shrine of security, with unemployment close at hand, the moment there's a problem on the line, as soon as overtime is really banned. For greed consumes us all like cancer, devouring labour for its malignant growth, an hourly rate that denies the dancer in our life to pledge a troth that integrates work, rest and play above the demands for greater exploitation, so that the body, in possession of true love, respects its duty to create its recreation. So, I've joined the ranks of those who call on those who would make our bodies slaves of capital for freedom and dignity for all until our children place fresh flowers on our grave. Thanks, Natasha, and thanks to all of the team,
0: and thanks to you, listener. I've enjoyed your company all year, and I look forward to your company again on the 4th of February, 2022.